You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. The next event that we'll examine, which was a very important event that happened, was the change in the Qibla. Muslims for about 13-14 years were praying towards Jerusalem. There are many narrations that the Prophet in Mecca, when he would pray, he would pray north. But here's what the Prophet would do when he was in Masjid al-Haram, he would pray such that the Kaaba is in front of him and also he's facing north. Now in order to do that, you would stand on the southern side of the Kaaba, so that the Kaaba is to your north. The Prophet wanted the Kaaba to be also in his Qibla, so a hadith indicates this is how he prayed in Mecca. But the Qibla was not the Kaaba itself, the Qibla was Jerusalem which was to the north. The mosque in Jerusalem, the blessed holy mosque in Jerusalem, is considered the second mosque in Islam. The first holy masjid in Islam is Masjid al-Haram and the Quran uh, makes a reference to that in the verse that talks about Mecca. Um, how does it start? Allah says the first holy structure or house sanctified place to be given to people is the one in Mecca. Mecca is Mecca, it's another name for Mecca. So that's the first, first masjid in, in the history of religions. And we believe Prophet Adam is the one who actually built that first masjid. Prophet Ibrahim later reconstructed it because it had been destroyed throughout history. The second masjid is the masjid where? In Jerusalem. Now who's the one who built that masjid? Obviously Prophet Sulaiman built a big temple, but before Sulaiman, other prophets had actually prayed over there, it was a holy land, it was a holy place. We have a hadith indicating that Prophet Adam also built the holy masjid in Palestine and then Ibrahim probably reconstructed it. There is one hadith in some Muslim sources that states the duration, the time between the Kaaba when it was first built, the Holy Land, and the mosque in Jerusalem was 40 years. So let's say if it was Adam, the first one who built the Kaaba, he built the Holy Mosque in Mecca, then after 40 years he went to Palestine and he built the second mosque over there. So the land of Palestine is a very blessed land, the Holy Quran in numerous verses talks about how blessed and Mubarak the land of Palestine around Jerusalem is. First of all, it's blessed because thousands of prophets passed there, lived there, prayed there. It really has a history. Most of Allah's messengers and prophets were in that holy land. And that makes it blessed. Remember the cradle for monotheism throughout history was in Palestine. Thousands of years prophets would actually preach in Palestine, believers lived there, those who believed in the prophets, so it's a blessed land with a lot of history.
Number two, from a natural perspective, from a geological, geographic perspective, it's also a blessed place. It has fertile soil, it has, you know, a pleasant weather compared to some other areas, it has sweet rivers, natural sources of water, it is really a blessed place and that's why historically many people chose to live there. And it has that, you know, unique Mediterranean climate. So the Qibla for those people at the time of those prophets was the temple in Jerusalem, that holy mosque or the temple. The Jews had to pray towards the temple. If they were in Jerusalem, their Qibla was the mosque. Now we call it the mosque, of course they didn't call it a mosque, it was a house of worship, a temple. But it is a mosque because mosque in Arabic, masjid, what does it mean? Place of sujood, place where you prostrate. So you don't only call a masjid, masjid after Islam, even before Islam we call them masajid because they're places of worship. So those Jews who lived in Jerusalem, their qibla was where? That temple or masjid. The Jews who lived outside of Jerusalem, their qibla was Jerusalem. So historically that was the qibla for those prophets and all those believers throughout history. The Prophet early in his mission was instructed by Allah to pray north to Jerusalem. Now why? Two primary reasons. One, to test his followers. See the Arabs, those who were in Mecca, they cherished the Kaaba. The Kaaba was their sense of honor and pride in Mecca. Now when you ask them to pray to another place, this was difficult on them, but this was a test Allah was trying them. Do you really worship me the way I want or the way your desires want? That was a big test and some Arabs failed their test. They're like, no, 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 if your Qibla is not the Kaaba and uh, the Jews, uh, you know, there's outside people, forget it, we don't want it. This was a big test. That's number one. The second reason was to bring interfaith harmony. Because at the time there were many Jewish tribes around Mecca and Medina. And when they saw Muslims are praying to their Qibla, that made them think, look, these Muslims have something in common with us. They actually accept our prophets. Those prophets who came from those Jewish tribes, they accept them, they love them, they follow them. That encouraged many, many Jews, by the way, to convert to the religion of Islam. Or at least initially to feel close to Muslims. And before the Prophet migrated to Medina, the Jews were waiting for him to come. And one factor that created this interfaith harmony was the Qibla. So number one, it was to test the followers of the Prophet. This is mentioned in the Quran. Number two, it's to pretty much bring a sense of unity amongst these two religions, these two monotheistic religions. Because the primary monotheistic religion in Arabia at the time was Judaism, because you had many Jewish tribes. The Arabs, they were on idol worshiping and paganistic paths. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the Prophet to pray to Jerusalem. The Prophet arrives Medina. Some ahadith indicate seven months after the Prophet arrives in Medina. Some ahadith indicate 17 months. So we don't know exactly when the Qibla changed. It's either year one of the Hijrah or year two of the Hijrah. In the first two years, definitely, that's when it happened. When the Prophet came to Medina, he was still 
for about a year or two, praying towards which direction? North, towards Jerusalem. Now something started to change. The Jews, they saw the, power, the Prophet becoming powerful, he's gaining prominence, Islam is growing as a religion, and they decided that they didn't want to follow the Prophet because he's not from the Jewish tribes, from not, he's not from their ancestry, he's from the progeny of Ismail So they took a stance, so like you know what, he's not one of us, we know deep down in our hearts he's the real Prophet, but we're, we're gonna reject him. When the Prophet started to become powerful, they wanted to create obstacles to stop people from embracing Islam and to create trouble for the believers. So one thing the Jews started to do is to mock and harass Muslims about their Qibla. They kept saying, oh you Muslims, we thought you had your own religion. It seems you don't have your own religion, you're following us really, you're following our Qibla. Look, God did not find you worthy to give you your own Qibla, you have to follow our own Qibla. Some people started having doubts, you know, what's going on? How come are we following the Jewish Qibla? And that started to distract some Muslims and hurt them and the Prophet was hurt by this. You know, every day the Jews are mocking the Prophet, you don't have your own Qibla, your religion is not good enough, you have to follow our own Qibla. They should have been happy. They're following our Qibla, that makes us closer, but subhanAllah, the Jews, you know, their history with the Prophet So they really, really started to indulge in obstructionist activities and create trouble for the Prophet and the Muslims and the Prophet got hurt. It got to a point where it was no longer bearable for the Muslims to constantly hear this from the Jews and their mockery. So the Prophet started to look at the sky towards the heavens. He was waiting for Allah to change the Qibla. You know it's time that we now Muslims have our own Qibla. The, our, our Muslim community can no longer deal with these Jews and their constant mockery and attacks. So the Prophet was you know just anxiously waiting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to change the Qibla. The time came when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fulfilled the desire of the Prophet and the Prophet loved Mecca, it's a holy land and he was hoping that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would change the Qibla. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fulfills that desire of the Prophet Allah says we've seen how you now are looking to the heavens so we change the Qibla, now we will give you the Qibla that you will like. So what happened is the Prophet was in the mosque of Bani Salim. Today this mosque is known as which mosque? For those of you who got to Medina, Masjid Al-Qiblatayn, the Masjid of the two Qiblas. But the day that the Prophet was praying in it, it was not really a Masjid. Basically what happened, there was a woman by the name of Umm Bishr. Her son had died, the Prophet went to give her condolences. She lived in one of the suburbs of Medina. The Prophet goes to her house to give her condolences because her son had died according to some historians. Umm Bish is very happy. Look at the Prophet, he's a messenger, he's got so many things to do. But when someone in the community loses a child, the Prophet goes and visits them, gives them consolation. Look at the akhlaq of the Prophet. He goes to a woman who lost her child and he's giving her comfort. So the Prophet was in the house of Umbish, 
She's so happy. She tells him, Ya Rasulullah, you can't just leave, you and your companions. Let me make lunch or dinner for you. So she cooks food for the Prophet and the companions. Now because they were waiting for the lunch, the time of Salah came. So the Prophet says, let's pray here. Because by the time they would eat and go back to Medina, the Prophet didn't want to delay the Salah. He said, let's pray here. So the Prophet is in the house of Umbish. He starts his Salah. Salat al-Dhuhr, according to most historians, he does two rak'ahs. Salat al-Dhuhr is four rak'ahs. When he gets up to the fourth rak'ah, Jibra'il descends on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa قَدْ نَرَى تَقَلُّبَ وَجْهِكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ فَلَنُوَلِّيَنَّكَ قِبْلَةً تَرْضَاهَا Ya Rasulullah, now Allah wants to give you a qibla that you're satisfied with, that doesn't have the trouble of these Jews mocking you. So Allah commands the Prophet, فَوَلِّ وَجْهَكَ شَطْرَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ Allah now gives the command, your qibla is now al-masjid al-haram. Now you've got a dilemma because the Prophet is in the salah, he's praying north because Medina is to the south of Jerusalem. Now if you want to switch your qibla and pray to Mecca, where do you have to face? South, like 180 degrees or 160 degrees to be specific, to the south, because Mecca is south of Medina and Palestine is to the north. And Jibra'il tells the Prophet in his salah to switch to the new qibla, in his salah, not to wait till the salah is over, no, in his salah. So the Prophet turns almost 180 degrees from north to south. Now there were men and women praying behind him, the companions. Now how do they shift and rotate? When we look at the ahadith and the logistics of that, how that happened, let's try to draw that to see how it happened. There are two theories on how that it happened. Basically, the way that it happened, according to the first theory, is the following. I'll mention the first theory, the second one, it seems more plausible, but I'll mention the first one. So let's say this is Jerusalem, it's to the north, and then you have Mecca here to the south. So Medina is here, so the Prophet is praying to the north, right? Let's say the Prophet is here, he's standing here and then you have the man and the woman here. So the Prophet is praying north. So Jibra'il descends on the Prophet, he puts, he, he holds according to some hadith the hand or the shoulder of the Prophet and he rotates the Prophet towards the south. Now if the Prophet is praying north, he's going to switch and he's going to pray south, right? According to the first theory, what happened is that when Jibra'il told the Prophet, the Prophet walked around the Musalleen and he stood here and he prayed south, then the man did the same thing they came here and the woman went back, they switched sides. So the Prophet actually walked to the last row where the women were standing and he stood behind the woman but his back was towards the woman now because he's going south. When the Musalleen realized, realized this, the woman left, went on the side, the men came before the Prophet, then the woman went behind the men and that's how it happened. This is the first scenario. 
I believe the second scenario is the more correct one based on logistical evidence. While they're praying, by the way, all these movements, they're in the third rak'ah. Now normally if you walk that much on your salah, it's invalid, but this was an exception because Allah wanted to make it a strong point so no one forgets the in incident, right? Because imagine if you're praying in salah and it changes, it's just so much profound. It's the talk of the town, everybody's going to talk about it and Allah wanted that to happen. So when they made those movements, it was fine, you know, their salah was valid, that was an exception. The second scenario states the following, the Prophet is here, those Musalleen are praying behind him. The Prophet did not walk and come here. He was praying north, Jibra'il rotated him. He faced south. Now when you face south, who's going to be in front of the Prophet? The Musalleen. I've heard of speakers mention this. I don't, I didn't see any hadith. But I think uh, the Arab poet or a speaker beautifully says, the Prophet rotated and he saw his nafs in front of him, Ali ibn Abi Talib directly behind him. It's a very beautiful poem. In any case, I, I don't know if Imam Ali was directly behind him, but we can assume Imam Ali was with him and probably directly behind him because he would never leave the Prophet. So now we have Rasulullah and Amir al-Mu'mineen in one salah facing each other. It's a beautiful scene. Imagine if you had a, you know, a snapshot, uh, an image of that, how beautiful it is. They're both in salah, salat al-dhuhr, their salah is valid. They're praying jama'ah but they're facing each other, beautiful. In any case, so the Prophet is now praying south. So the Musalleen realized, okay, the Qibla changed, the Prophet is facing. So what happened? All the men got out of their lines, they came and walked and formed lines behind the Prophet. And the women also walked and they formed the lines behind the Prophet. Such that when that rak'ah was about to complete, there was no one in front of the Prophet. Remember, there weren't a lot of people. We're not talking about hundreds, just a few people, right? The Prophet went to visit a lady. This is too organized for an <laughs> Arab society. <laughs> but the Prophet is organizing them. This he is, is, but he didn't talk to them. He was praying Their at that hearts time. were guided by well, his companion. Let's say Imam Ali, he led the way and everybody followed suit. <laughs> so you see the, the logistics and the difference between the two scenarios? In the first scenario, the Prophet walked from this side to that side and then the men and the women, they switched sides. In the first scenario, the Prophet didn't move, he just rotated. He was facing Palestine this way, Jibra'il rotated him, now the first line is in front of him, the first line came behind the Prophet and then the women came behind the Prophet. So this happened in Salatul Dhuhr, in the house of this lady by the name of Umm Bishr. Now, that neighborhood belonged to the neighborhood of Banu Salama. They lived in that neighborhood. When this incident happened, they came to Umbish. They told her, Umbish, we want to buy this land from you because she owned that land by her house. We want to buy that from you and make it a mosque. Because something significant happened. First of all, the Prophet prayed here and Allah changed the Qibla. And we really want to make this a mosque, so we'll buy this from you. She said, no, no, I'll donate it. No need to buy it from me, I will donate it as a masjid. Look how faithful this woman was and how generous she was. So she donated it and it became to be known as the mosque of Bani Salama, 
Maybe some narrations say Bani Salim, but Bani Salama, basically the tribe of Bani Salama. Now over history, because this mosque became so famous that there were two qiblas in it, one salah was prayed in it with two qiblas, it became known as Masjid al-Qiblatayn. So today when you hear Masjid al-Qiblatayn, we're talking about the same mosque here. This is not a different mosque, it's the same mosque. It was called later on Masjid al-Qiblatayn.